This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful.com. It is March 25th. It is the Wednesday Night War podcast talking AEW and NXT. And uh, needless to say, Wednesdays are the best night for wrestling in the coronavirus era. I mean, they were the best before the coronavirus era, too. So not a lot has changed in that regard. But we have NXT. We have AEW to talk about. And a couple of pretty good shows, all things considered. And that seems to be about par for the course, regardless of whether or not we're in a pandemic. But it's always a pandemic when Alex Palowski reviews Raw and SmackDown, which you all can check out on FightfulSelect.com, our premium service. We are also joined by Warren Hayes. And how about this one, guys? If we raise $100,000 in Super Chats tonight, I will release a retro review that Warren and I filmed talking about Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, their friendship, their feud, specifically their Raw match at the end of 2003 for the World Heavyweight title. And you know what? And you know what? I'm willing to settle for much less than $100,000. I just decided it. I just decided maybe less than that. Donate a Super Chat, any amount. Get your question or statement read on the air. But if you want a bunch of questions read, subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. I answered over 120 of them on the Q&A today. But we got NXT and AEW to talk about. Warren, how'd you feel about tonight's shows? Uh, both both were okay. It's it's hard to say who wedged out, I feel, tonight. AEW, maybe? Yeah. Because there was a really good match on it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think AEW just barely did, but I thought NXT closed awfully strong. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I can't wait for you guys to see the Alex Palowski live reaction to that, in which I did record, because because oh. <laughs> he caught the last couple of minutes as we met here on Skype. <laughs> you seem very confused, Alex. Oh, no. I was... Uh, I, I... Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the, to the end of uh, NXT, but there are a few things I was expecting out of this uh, Triple H uh, mediates uh, uh, Ciampa yeah. and Gargano uh, meeting. And uh, let's just say that was not what I got. <laughs> if you could bring your mic a little bit closer to you. It's a it's a little bit distant. But um, Hello, 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 hello. Who, who do you think won tonight, Alex? <sighs> AEW. Okay. There you go. Well... Because it's my show, we're going to cover NXT first. 
<laughs> Even though, just because we haven't in a while covered NXT right. first. So I think that's fair. And there was a lot of new, noteworthy stuff on that. Um, yeah. Tyler Breeze versus Austin Theory were not among those noteworthy things. But that match did happen. Let me tell you, this was very much a WWE-style match in the first minutes of it. To the point to where, when it turned up and there was like a buckle bomb and a nice enziguri and an Ushigaroshi, I wasn't as into it. It seems very much like the kind of match that somebody would say, the WWE guys are here, make sure make sure you work their kind of match tonight on like an Evolve show or something. And Alex, I thought it was kind of wild, like Byron Saxon having to say, Tyler Breeze has a lot left in the tank. He's 32! <laughs> like, he's, well, he's going to come he's, out he's, next week in a salmon-colored jacket. <laughs> he's a full <laughs> decade older than Austin Theory. Um, and I think that's what they kind of meant by that. Yeah. But I, I did, like, he's, he is an OG. Like, he's, he's been around long enough that he was in FCW. Like, like he's, he's a, he, he was, I believe, um, uh, Mike Dalton at one yes. point, I think. Um, like, so he's the, the Tyler Breeze character, like what was, was a full sale legend. And I love the idea that he went up. They never actually used him for much of anything. The Breezango thing was great. And then they brought him back down while Dango was hurt. Dango's back. Now Dango's hurt again. I like him as being the gatekeeper to these young up and coming heels. It's a perfect use for him. And I think this obviously because we because uh Breeze won this match, this seems to be kind of a lengthy feud where Austin Theory proves his medal in, in NXT by over the course of several matches um beating and maybe even beating up and hurting uh in Kayfabe uh Tyler Breeze, uh, an NXT OG. I think that's the story they're telling here, I think it can be told well, but you're right. It did feel a lot like, hey, it's this is a very WWE style match. But a few things that I that I did appreciate about it in the in the empty arena era, I like the audible trash talking. Like it it makes the the arena feel less empty when you when it's like actually you're watching these two guys like do a fight scene as opposed to wrestle a match like it's a like it's a sporting event. You're watching two guys, two actors portray a fight scene, and that's it. Feels more like that, and it should when you don't have a, a live arena crowd to react to it. You should be treating this as more like a fight scene in a movie uh, than it, than it, you know a sporting event. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, quite frankly, I went into this not thinking Tyler Breeze had a chance to win, and then he won, which is good. Uh, I just I thought it was an okay match. It wasn't anything that. That uh, blew me away, though. Isn't it a little strange that Tyler Breeze won? Don't yeah, we seems... think it's a little strange? Because they've been unless what they're doing is 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 like having Austin Theory be like incredibly arrogant, humbled, and then build himself back up to to eventually move on to something bigger than than Tyler Breeze. I mean, I I I agree with you. If it was gonna be a one off, and and Austin Theory moves on, fine. But it seems to be that they they want. Austin to get some seasoning with a guy like Tyler Breeze before he moves on to something bigger and better. Um, it's it's just a little odd. I understand what you're saying. It's just a little odd when they've purposefully went to, I wouldn't say out of their way, but they've underscored the fact that he's an up and coming star and that he's got a lot to offer. And you just look at the guy performing, you're like, yeah, okay, this kid has it. 
and they're just not they're just not pushing a new star yet. I don't know. It, it's the, the decision. Not, it wasn't as their, their, uh, It's certainly not been their mo recently. I will say that that's not usually how they've done it. All brands care about the marquee before everything else. That's that's ultimately what everything is about. But I mean, I don't think Austin Theory is ready for like a top level run yet. But a lot of times, it's hard to shake off that that view of the early the early loss, so to speak. Um, so Tyler Breeze ends up winning that match. After the match, uh, we're told that Adam Cole will be seen later on. And we can go ahead and talk about that. He's poolside, cutting a promo, says that Velveteen Dream does not deserve a title shot. It's very clear that's where they're going. That's We're going to be seeing that sometime in April. Uh, Alex, what did you think of this promo? I mean, it's it's Adam Cole being Adam Cole. Like, it's 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 fine. It's, it, it, it moved that. Thing along without actually having him uh, have to be at the arena to, to do one of those awkward, I'm holding a microphone and talking into it while mm-hmm. while there's nobody here to hear me promos. Like I thought this was a, a very good use of a different setting. Yeah, I did too. I, I thought it, it worked really well for what they were doing. Next up, we see Killian Dane against Tahuti Miles, who's uh, wearing overalls, always a great gear choice. This is a Killian Dane victory, is what this is. Yeah. Um, to to Hootie, uh Miles, uh, wearing uh, camo overalls with the one strap not connected and dangling. Um, do, do either of you guys remember the No Limit Soldiers with Master oh, boy, P? Boy, do I ever swole four by four BA, which was Brad Armstrong? I remember them. Oh man, this guy looks straight out of the No Limit Soldiers, the hair and everything. I thought maybe he should change his name to uh, to Hootie Who Miles. <clears throat> That's actually a more uh, more indicative. But um, uh, no, uh, obviously this is a uh, Killian Dane. Um, picking up the victory. They're prepping him for something? Question mark. You never, you never can tell with these mid card guys in NXT. Like it could be something, or he could start losing matches next week. I, honestly, I don't know. What? It's like okay, whatever. At least they put on an original match, so yeah. I could do a lot worse. Cameron Grimes defeating Tony Nice was another. Original match. Uh, Warren, I'll let you take the lead here. Well, I mean, uh, I, again, the glory of the hatch uh, is uh, is above and beyond everything here. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Tony Nese is, uh, is wondering when he can go back to 205 Live uh, because uh, things have not been working out since he's uh, been gone from the brand over there. Um, I, I'm, but I mean, from, I was able to watch parts of this. They worked really hard. They worked well together. I thought it was a, from what I thought was a good match. I'll let you guys talk more about it, but, uh, yeah. I mean, and I had that, this, I've had this thought about all the 205 live guys who've all graduated, who are all drafted, uh, Akira Tozawa, Cedric, Tony, you know, maybe outside Buddy Murphy, a lot of them have been uh, a lot of them have been floundering. It hasn't been great. Yeah, WWE has. Well, I say they gave up on two hundred five live, but they really didn't, or else they just wouldn't film the show. 
<laughs> which know. which would make a ton of sense to not film the show these days, mm-hmm. given the climate we're in, and to film stuff that people actually care about. No offense to those on 205 Live, yeah. but I've mentioned this a few times. WWE did try with 205 Live. They tried very hard. They put one of their best mic workers on of, of Enzo on that brand. They had it main eventing Raw. They put Neville on there, gave him a really good push. They were pushing Rich Swan before all that shit happened to him. They did certain things. They had Austin Aries there until Austin Aries was Austin freaking Aries and then <laughs> got bounced. Uh, there's another one that who's who escapes me. That they, they also tried with, and it just did not work. And it's yeah. because they never presented it quite how they should have. Well, my, my, my thing is the thing they always could have tried, and I think they should have, is back when NXT was taping at Full Sail once a month, or whenever it was, they could have taped a bunch of 205 stuff. Listen, it didn't need to be live in front of a SmackDown yeah. crowd that like felt like they had to stick around, I guess. I mean... You want to stick around? Yeah, let's stick around. Like those people, as opposed to Full Sail, who's there to watch there some athletic wrestling. If they had put those guys in front of that crowd and taped it and, and ran those matches taped uh, on, on 205 taped instead of 205 live, I think it would have been an, a, much more fun to watch because you would have seen a crowd that was as into it as they were with the CWC, which is why they were like, wow, everyone loves cruiserweight wrestling here. We should probably make a, a yeah. show about cruiserweight wrestling, but then they put it in front of a completely different group of people hey, who don't care about cruiserweight wrestling. Alex, not you're, only you're talking at a... me to your right on a monitor instead of me to your left in a microphone. That, that is very funny. So <laughs> <laughs> it, w- it would help if the I'm microphone... Gonna put, I'm going to put, that, I'm gonna put this over here. There we go. Uh, th- much better. Much yeah. better. Go ahead, Warren. <laughs> and it's not even a question of putting them in front of people who 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 knew who knew about cruiserweight wrestling or not they put them in front of people who just sat through two hours of smackdown right. saw all of their favorite wrestlers saw all the main eventers they're just gassed at this point they don't care about these people that's always been the most baffling situation regarding 205 live why not put it at full sale why not tape it why not roll it from there uh, this is, I'm, uh, we've talked about this numerous times. The full sale audience would have just gobbled it all up. And we're seeing today how much of a character in the presentation of wrestling the audience really is. We've, it's something that we've noticed in the past, how much an audience can make or break a match. But now we're seeing it. We're feeling it these days. The audience is a part of a wrestling show. And if your audience isn't there to back up the wrestlers and aren't cheering them on, it's hard to get into it even as a TV viewer. Yeah, perception is reality. Tim Traver sent the super chat. Reminder, guys, donate any amount live on youtube.com slash Fightful. You'll get your question or statement right on the air. He said, I saw part one and part two of the Chris Benoit story. Wow. Uh, yeah, no shocker that that was the most viewed episode ever. That was an unbelievable piece of content. Um, I, since that situation ended, have only watched the Royal Rumble that he won once and his main event once, both requested for retro reviews. Other than that, that is the most content I've watched, and Chavo Guerrero helped produce that. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but fantastic job from them. And we'll talk more about Chris Jericho later, but you hear stories about Chris Jericho kind of being an ass here and there. He also does some pretty cool things for people, too. Like, on almost any GoFundMe you see for a wrestler, 
you'll see something that says like Chris Irvine donated $5,000 or something like that. And him putting Chris Benoit's son in touch with Nancy Benoit's sister was a really great thing. And uh, you all need to check that out. It is it is important viewing. And obviously, in a much less serious manner, I thought that this Aaliyah, Zia Lee segment was a bit of must-watch viewing, too. Because quite frankly, no, no offense, I don't give a damn about Aaliyah. But I know why she's been out for a while. And that's because of Zia Lee. And they were supposed to have a number one contender ladder match, or a qualifier match for the ladder match. So let me restate that. They were supposed to have a contender match, a, a qualifying match, for the number one contender ladder match. There we go. It was it's one of those things, remember back AW where you have a shot at a shot yes. at a shot at the title? Yes. That's what they've got. Yeah. It's a tournament to get into the ladder match. Yeah, exactly. And instead of having the match, they set up a future match, which now may not have stakes, but it has a little something to it. Because Zaya had been attacked backstage and can't make it. So even though Aaliyah's about to lose her match, she has her next match set up. She's going to face Zaya Lee again at some point. They've got to rectify that. Zaya Lee has, has a reason to be upset. She was taken out of this qualifying match in favor of a returning Io Shirai. Thrilled because Io Shirai needed to be in this ladder match. I'm glad that she's back. Uh, Warren, your thoughts on Io being back before we get into the match? Hey, listen, uh, this is uh, this was a, a little bit of of jolt that the 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 ladder match needed because Io is absolutely fantastic. She's probably the best performer they have in the women's division in NXT. Uh, we've seen her do crazy stuff already. She's had fantastic matches with uh, Candice LeRae so far. Uh, she's been missed. And I, she's going to fit right in here perfectly as long as they give her something meaty to chew on regardless of how the results of the, uh, of the uh, ladder match go. They have to give her something that she can sink her teeth into moving forward. She needs a big-ass feud, uh, something that uh, that she'll really explode with because Eel's just so good. Can't spend the, the – you, you just can't spend your time waffling with this one. Io Shirai, of course, gets the win. She qualifies. I liked all this, Alex. I like the idea of setting up something in the future. Aaliyah ain't winning. Bring back Io Shirai. She wins. Cool. Yes, um, I, I agree with all of that. Io Shirai is so happy that she's back. She's winning that ladder match so hard. It's going to be awesome. Uh, can't I mean, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly she's now my pick to win that match. Um, they have since announced that the final spot in the ladder match will be uh, what will be uh, obtained via a gauntlet match. Uh, competed in by all the losers of the qualifying yeah. matches so far. Uh, so it looks like I'm assuming Dakota Kai comes out of that group. But, is Zaya going to okay. be in that? Because, I mean, they should Zaya's just... Zaya's in that. Okay. Zaya's in that, and, and Aaliyah is also in that. So uh, it looks like we're going to get, you know, probably... I would start out the gauntlet match with those two in the ring. That's how I would start yeah. it, and then move on from there. But I would assume Dakota gets, gets the victory uh, in that match and moves on to the ladder match. 
Lee Lewis says, I'm loving the retro reviews. Best match at Mania 36? Hear me out. I won't say what'll be the best. I think Goldberg versus Roman Reigns could be very good now. I don't think it would have been live. (laughs) But I think since they can Frankenstein that shit together in any way that they see, they could make that a 12-minute match now if they wanted. I don't think they should. But with the benefit of cinematography, prep one, prep two, cut one, cut two, take two, all that shit. I think it could be very good. What are your all's thoughts on perhaps the best match? That's exactly my thought regarding AJ Styles versus Undertaker in a boneyard match. Good point. <laughs> Man, like if they decide to amp it up like a house of horrors plus plus, like if they really want to go all out with it and give us something completely absurd, mix that. I know a lot of people are making comparisons with the Vampiro Demon match that happened in WCW eons ago. But to give us something completely wild that Undertaker can just look like a badass and have the OC interfered, I, I, <laughs> I have hopes that that match could be just wonderfully ridiculous. In in terms of in-ring work that doesn't require editing, uh, and, and like, oh, well, let's try and find a, a take of that that doesn't look terrible, or spooky boneyards... I think that uh, the actual best in-ring thing, the thing that I'm interested in seeing is Street Profits versus Andrade and, and Angel Garza. That should be very like, good. Like, that's going to be just a clinic of amazing, like, even, like, Angelo Dawkins, I think, is certainly the weak link of those four, but the way he works with Montez is great. Yeah. Hey, you know what? If if the pants spot gets gets uh, gets botched, they're going to do that one over and over again until yeah. you get it right, Alex. That's, right. That's, That's for right. sure. That is true. Like I said, there's going to be some amazing documentary footage that emerges yeah. from these two weeks. Rob Wilkins in the Super Chat and says, I'm anxious for the reactions of the new Jacked episode of Dark Side of the Ring next week. The newer oh. fans who have never seen or heard about him, uh, even I have new Jack stories. I didn't care about shoot interviews until I watched the Jeremy Borash-produced Forever Hardcore documentary, which was, like, not necessarily a companion piece to the rise and fall of ECW, but it was released along with the the other, the non-WWE ECW stuff. And boy, it's available online, probably for free. Watch it, guys. It's crazy. Well, we also had a crazy sirloin beef sons of bitches brawl. That's very clearly where they're going with the North American title. Alex, Damian yep. Priest, Dijakovic, Keith Lee, lots of flips, uh, lots of lots of meat just <laughs> clapping up against each other. Big big meaty men slapping meat, slapping uh, meat. Uh, as as uh, Big E refers to it, slapping um, yes, beef. I'm, if your local grocer. Is is has like the the shelves empty? Don't worry, NXT has you covered. Yep, lots of beef. Uh, lots of beef. Great grade A beef, sirloin beef, sons of bitches. I yes. I'm I'm really into the possibilities that a triple threat between these three guys uh, holds, and we've already seen what what Lee and Dijakovic uh, can do um, together by themselves. At adding Priest into it could be a lot of fun. Um, uh, I'm a sucker for a for a really good triple threat, and I probably like 
bad triple threats more than I like bad singles matches just because yeah. there's always the, the opportunity for, for new things to happen. So yeah, I trust these three good, the three dudes immensely to, to, to put on a great show, whatever we get this match. Well, I'm glad that you trust those three goons as you were about to yep. say. Yep. Dandy Birch and Oni Lorkin defeated Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink, who are apparently a thing now. Yeah. And it's weird because they didn't have Vink on NXT for a full year, even though he was working the loops. Mm-hmm. And then they would send him to Evolve, where he would always win. Then they're like, yeah, you know what? I think we're going to team him with Thorne and just have him lose on Raw and NXT. Warren, this is a little weird to me. <laughs> well, first of all, they decided to keep his wrestling, his wrestler name, Vink. Like that's that's an aesthetic. That's a choice, first and foremost. Uh, and well, I guess they're pairing him up with Shanthorn because they're Australians. Yes. Oh, of course. You, you know, might as well because I guess you know they're all used to the same time zones and whatnot. You know, they can all. You know, they can they, talk about they, Vegemite they, and things. They, yeah, they bonded over their love of Vegemite and, and the song the, from The Man Down Under. Yeah. Or uh, The Land Down uh, Under. Tiny Kangaroo yeah. Down Under. Yeah, the sport. Land Down Under. Yeah, exactly. Land Down Under. <laughs> well, only so, yeah, Lork and Bird yeah, win this match. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brendan Vink, if Brendan Vink was your real name, you'd change it. Nobody chooses <laughs> the name Brendan Vink. Like Elliot Sexton is is a fine name. I mean, That's his actual name. I mean, Brendan uh, Frank. I mean, Brendan not Frank only did Ray Finkel change his name, he changed his entire goddamn gender because he had such a <laughs> terrible name. So yeah, uh, there there's a yeah. precedence. If it's got an ink in there, yeah. eh. I I still I still think Shane Thorne uh, had a lot a lot of potential. When he hurt, he got hurt years ago when he was part of the Mighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, in and he had so much potential uh, in that. Uh, I think it was the finals of the of the Dusty Classic that year, and he hurt, got hurt, and then he went away, and then they're like they shipped his tag partner out, and, yeah. and he's just been kind of a jobber since then. I always thought he had a lot of potential, and I still do, but I not 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 with Frank. <laughs> Did they have Thorne doing a uh, uh, like a, 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 a like a gatekeeper role for a yes. short while, and where he was like, did. yeah, taking out new guys, which I thought was interesting. Our uh, dude, I don't know. Our dude, throwback with a gigantic super chat says, with WWE going to their playbook to pull out old school matches and current talent, uh, like empty arena street brawls. Could the Ciampa versus Gargano match be a classic? It was great seeing Triple H and Sean hit, uh, hit or hit at Sean in his past, which uh, you know, hey, helps out me and Warren's retro review we got dropping this weekend. But uh, I'll address the rest of your super chat momentarily. Let's go ahead and get into that. I, I'm okay with that because I think the the cross thing is the is the main event, so to speak. Triple H comes out. And <laughs> brings out Gargano and Ciampa, and they cut promos and all that. But the point of this is Triple H saying, this ends. Hey, kids, I'm going to let you all fight, but one of you is probably going to die. I'll get a ring. I'll get a ref. That's it. That's I, it, I, and it's going to end. I my The big thing that I reacted to is, well, first he says, um, this ends. You, 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 you've said... That NXT isn't big enough for the both of you. 
That's not true. It is. Unless <laughs> you guys keep fighting after this match. I was like, I thought we were do- getting the loser leaves NXT it match. Needs. They were really hinting at that. I mean, I don't want to see either of these guys misused terribly on the main roster, but like that that's the perfect ending to this feud. Yeah. Is a loser leaves town match. Um but the fact that we're not getting that, unless they're very bad boys and continue to fight after this match, is weird. <clears throat> but my biggest reaction is when Triple H says, I'm gonna find a location and I'll text it to you guys. And you guys show up there. <laughs> Which is like, okay, cool. Where's that going to be? Who knows? Is it going to be that weird backyard where Lance Archer was murdering those hillbillies? That was awesome. That was awesome. Where are they going to do it? Um, But yeah, I think that is, I'll text you a secure location is a great thing to like lead into a match. I'm kind of excited about the possibilities of Hollywood backlot brawls that we might be, although this time it'll be Hollywood, Florida. But, yes. I mean, I'm excited that we'll get some stuff like this. I'm open to WWE trying these different things because of the situation we're in. I know yeah. for a lot of people, it's going to be really jarring to see what we're going to see out of this year's WrestleMania. Yeah. But, considering the situation, Warren, I don't mind it at all. No, I don't either. And, you know... We've, we, this is another thing we've talked about before. WWE does its best work when its back is against the wall. And you couldn't have anything more back against the wall than having to produce WrestleMania with no one around to watch it. So, you know, I, I'm trying to stay cautiously optimistic because I am seeing the possibilities. And I am going, oh, my goodness. You know, they have they have such a talented and devoted production crew. They have so many great people who can put together uh, any kind of setup anywhere quickly, efficiently, make it look pro. I, I'm there's a lot production wise that I feel they can pull off. Question is, is it, are they going to do it? Are they going to be game enough to try stuff out? And that's what I'm. Because that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm expecting it to a certain degree, but I'm just, I'm being careful with my, yeah. with my expectations. I'm very excited for the Gargano Champa match for the same reason that I am now excited for Reigns and Goldberg. It's something. It's a way that we haven't seen it. We have not seen a heavily, heavily taped version of this match before. We don't know what kind of stuff that they're capable of now. So I guess we'll see. Candice LeRae defeated Caden Carter to move on to the ladder match. This is the right move. Caden Carter got some yeah. good offense, but Candice wins. Yeah, as, as she should. And she's, I mean, I mean, uh, if, you know, if the thing happens and Charlotte becomes NXT Women's Champion, uh, Candice LeRae being her first uh, person to go up against, I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we get Matt Riddle defeating Roderick Strong next, which was a good match, as you would expect. Yeah. Of course yeah. it is. Largely inconsequential. But then at the end is the highlight of this, sort of. So we often say if somebody can't talk and they're not that good, they got to put them with a, with a manager. Well, we got the Wednesday night monkey paw going, Alex. <laughs> Because we finally get Malcolm Bivens. We finally, finally get him. Finally. Finally. And, uh, you know, the promo was what it was. It was, eh. 
But he is uh, he's debuting with Rinku Singh, who uh, some people might know from The Million Dollar Arm. He was the subject of that movie, uh, one of the subjects, and was in the pirate system. And um, I think it's Sarov Gurjar. I, I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing that. Not great in the ring, these two fellas. Nope. But you know what? If they got Malcolm Bivens with them, they probably got a chance. Uh, we'll see how it goes. The beatdown was not great. No. But it was it was definitely not. But you know what? If it gets Bivens' face on TV, I'll see where it goes. Yeah, I I'm 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 I want Bivens to to be himself, and it does feel like he's yes. he's doing a lot of like the the Paul Ellering playbook of just like we are here and you will reap the whirlwind. It feels like it's yes. like that's that's not who Malcolm Bivens. That's not that's not utilizing him to what he can do best, and he's, I want to see him he's, do that. He's funny and entertaining and convincing. Yeah. Yes. A few years They're, ago, back when they actually returned my messages, I scheduled a run-in on the broadcast, the Matt Riddle broadcast, yeah. the week before Riddle was facing Tim Thatcher. And hey, nobody's going to accuse Tim Thatcher of being the most exciting promo or wrestler in the world, but they put him yeah. with Malcolm Bivens, and he was a great person on Evolve. Yeah. And Malcolm Bivens was able to do this entertaining promo while still hyping up the fact that they had a match the next week, he's really good. And the thing is, it's not a lost art. It's an abandoned art. Mm -hmm. WWE forced the abandonment of this art to the point to where you hear on this this dark side of the ring, oh, it's a role that doesn't exist anymore, where they're talking about Nancy as a manager. And I'm like, well, yeah. it should. It yeah. should. It should. Uh, Warren, um, any thoughts on Malcolm Bivens, who got no pop coming out, by the way? <laughs> I, I was going to underscore that. Yeah, no reaction at None. all. Uh, Killed the crowd. I, I, yeah, no, co completely dead. I think that's strike one for him. Mm -hmm. uh, but strike two is coming out with the, that white shirt tucked in his pants. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, but yeah, no, they hopefully hopefully he's put in a position where he can where he can turn up the entertainment value because that guy is he's just too priceless to. Uh, cut the very generic uh, my tag team is better than your tag team promos uh, and he see he's being saddled with a very serious tag team so I'm instantly getting Drake Maverick a AOP vibes you know yeah. uh, but Bivens yeah. he's yeah. a smart guy he's talented I'm sure he can make the most out of a bad situation we'll see how it goes but man I, I really hope creative just lets him be his he his uh, his goofy uh, insecure self, that'd be fantastic. I don't think that the, uh, the, the Matt Riddle, Pete Dunne segments happen in the manner they did had Malcolm Bivens not been there for a year doing the type of things that he was doing right. on his own. Sure. Um, a couple, couple things related to this. Uh, one, these two dudes are already on Raw, backing up Jinder Mahal. They just don't know it yet. When Jinder Mahal is ready to actually have another push, these two dudes are going to be his henchmen. Whenever that happens, it's just a thing that's going to happen. As soon as Vince ever lays eyes on these guys, that's what's going to happen. The other thing is, WWE is really great about doing euphemisms for, as they say, what's happening in the world right now. And when they're like, um, well, Matt Riddle is here alone because his partner, Pete Dunne, due to circumstances, 
Like they can just like wave a hand at a global deadly pandemic and be like, it's yeah. a thing that's going on generally. I feel like you could say it. You could say due to the coronavirus and travel restrictions, you could say that. You don't have to like talk about it, but you yeah. can mention it and not, you know. Yeah, but WWE has never really mentioned its competition on air, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the end of the show featured the clock ticking away. It, I mean, it's Killer Cross. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Throwback had asked, uh, Killer Cross tea, or it said Killer Cross being teased was great. Uh, honestly, I think SmackDown needs them a lot more. They need top oh, God, protected yeah. heels so badly that mm -hmm. it's insane. They have no top protected heels on that show, and they really, 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 really need it. Uh, but you know what? He's going to be real good on NXT. It's it it is an, it is a very odd place to do like the the you know that package where we see more of his face and the the uh, iconic you know taped white uh, hands uh, and have Triple H be like who what's going on who's the, like do you run this place and you don't know who this is that's a weird thing for him to like go I'm I'm very confused. Well, I mean, this is a company. This is a company that that uh, that announces matches without having contracts signed first, Alex. That's true. Um, I I'll also uh, uh, the the placement of this promo seems to suggest that Killer Cross is getting involved in this Gargano and and Champa feud, which would seem to prolong. Like I, I don't know. It's it's a we cool Killer Cross is on NXT. Great and. It's this is a weird place to like do the whole he's here thing. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, if your package is in an odd place, bluechew.com can help you out, especially in these hard times. How about you make them a little bit harder? And quite frankly, if you're using Viagra and Cialis, I'm just going to say it. You're a dumbass. Because you don't need to be going to the doctor's office. You don't need to be going to the pharmacy. You don't need to be leaving your houses in a time like this. Take it from the greatest dicksman in wrestling media. I have the most sponsored penis in wrestling media at this point. BlueChew.com code Fightful. It's got the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it's a lot better. Like I said, you don't have to leave your home. 
Why is that? It's prescribed online by Blue Chew affiliated physicians and it ships straight to your door. Discreetly. Advertising's not going to be all over the package. Don't worry. But your package is going to be advertised heavily when your loved one runs out the door screaming, Damn, that was good! That's because Blue Chew is a chewable. It can get into your system a lot faster. So it's ready whenever the opportunity arises. Or if the opportunity's not there, you know what? You can make it arise on your own thanks to BlueChew.com. It gets into your system a lot faster. Full or empty stomach, doesn't matter. I know you all are eating those quarantine snacks all the time. Don't worry. BlueChew.com. Code Fightful has you covered. Like I said, get that first shipment free. Free. By using the code Fightful at BlueChew.com. Just pay $5 shipping. Free in this economy? I don't know how they're doing it. Wait, yeah, I do. It's because they know it's awesome and that you're going to come back. It's a good time. Hit them up at Blue Chew. It always helps us when you tag Blue Chew and you say, damn, you know what? I heard about the concept of good sex and erect penises from Sean Ross Sapp, Alex Pawlowski, and Warren Hayes on the Fightful Podcast. Thank you for sponsoring them. Because, hey, they're the reason this podcast can happen. (sighs) That was NXT. Yep. We have AEW, another good show. I liked AEW as well. I'm liking AEW like every week, though. Cody and Kenny Omega are joining the broadcast. Cody was on commentary a lot, and I wouldn't say it was as entertaining as Triple H being on SmackDown commentary, but it definitely was different in its own way. I did think he got too insider-ish at some points, Warren, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I, I, I rather enjoyed him. I thought he did a fantastic job, and at some point I was like, dude, tone it back a bit because in a couple of weeks, Jim Ross has to come back. Um, the <laughs> No, I thought I thought he did a fantastic job. I really did. The, uh, you know, at some point when he was referencing all the, you know, the old WCW wrestlers, you know, I was like, well, okay, you know. He, you know, he straddles this line between old school and being contemporary. We get it because of his heritage, and he was a kid back then, so he knew a lot of these wrestlers. I, I get it, I get it. But you know, at the same time, I get it when Jim Ross does it because that was, you know, that that was literally when he was at his prime. Uh, but it didn't detract. I thought he did a fantastic job, um, and. It wasn't the same intention as Triple H, where Triple H yeah. was to be a lot more light, a lot more just break break up the atmosphere. He was really adding to the matches, which I thought was really interesting. Well, Cody stepped out and wrestled Jimmy Havoc. The, the production, what you could tell, was a very skeleton crew. There were some snafus here, sure. like Cody awkwardly leaving the table. But I thought that his match with Jimmy Havoc was pretty solid. I'm not a Jimmy Havoc guy. Uh, I, I'm not, but this was pretty solid, and I like Havoc's gear now. It's it, it looks a lot better on him. It looks he's looking more convincing as time goes by. I've just never mm-hmm. been a uh, Jimmy Havoc guy. Maybe it's because he was a dick to one of our writers last year. Maybe that's why. But eh, it is what it is. I thought this was good. Jimmy Havoc quietly was three and zero going into this match this year, and Cody gets the win. What'd you think, Warren? Um, I don't get Jimmy Havoc. I, I, I don't get the following that he has, but that's because I'm not a deathmatch guy. I 
death matches are not my cup of tea. Like, different hey man, just just go clubs. ahead and sign salad fingers if that's if that's what you're doing. Just sign him. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, absolutely. Or crossover appeal. Uh, the um, but uh, but I was I enjoyed his his mat work. Uh, where when he started working on Cody's arm, I thought his uh, I thought his arm bars were good. I thought his transitions were nice. You know, like I don't get him, and he doesn't get me as excited as a lot of people do. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel he has potential to grow on me. But I will never see the Jimmy Havoc in AEW in, in any extent. We'll never see the Jimmy Havoc that got people uh, forming a cult around him because there won't be uh, there won't be bloody death matches. There just won't. After the match, Jake Roberts appears on the screen and says that Lance Archer has been waiting to compete in AEW. I like this. Uh, he talked about how AEW is going to be the hot new thing, but they didn't bother hitting up one of the the most respected minds in pro wrestling. And he knows why they didn't bring Lance Archer over, because they were also in Japan and saw what he was capable of. Mm -hmm. When Cody gets back to commentary, he says, Lance Archer doesn't have a body of work here. He's done great stuff in Japan, but he doesn't have a body of work here. It doesn't start with me. He can wrestle next week on Dynamite. This, like, and there was, there was some stuttering. There was some hesitation. And I like it. It's, it's real. It feels mm -hmm. real. It's not the homogenized practice. Well, you know what? It doesn't start with me. He can it, show it, up next week on Dynamite. Because I'm the American Nightmare. And then he walks off. Yeah. Uh, While Charlie no, Caruso stares at him. <laughs> the, the, uh, I, I, and Tony Schiavone, who was right there, was, he added into it because Cody was tripping over his words but that was fine it wasn't anything where it's like oh he's screwing up his promo he was just in the moment and tony even re-emphasized that it's like man you're getting worked up i know it's just after a match you know and cody's like yeah yeah yeah. but you know i love this i love this from the the uh the the segment with jake roberts uh right down to to that promo there and i was like oh could you imagine let's say you know jake roberts was saying have some of your guys come over we'll sign some papers we'll make this happen can you imagine, like, Cody and the Nightmare family heading over to Hillbilly Park from last week to meet up with Jake with Jake Roberts and Lance Archer in that environment, and Roberts sitting in that rocking chair and having a nicely slick, slick and nicely produced uh, vignette just of them showing up and having these great moments. I I'm kind of hoping they do that because uh, now it's something I want to see. I love this. It was Perfect, perfect, perfect. And can you imagine? We're in 2020, and one of the best heels in the business right now is goddamn Jake Roberts, man. It's yeah, I love amazing. it. Amazing. I questioned when they brought him in. I, I've liked it so far. Mm -hmm. I also like Darby Allen and Kip Sabian. Darby Allen is a true success story on this brand. Uh, and Kip Sabian's going to be real good. Chris Sabian's going to be real good. I like the line from Cody on commentary where he talked about wrestling both of these guys. And he was like, listen, I know Dar Darby Allen took me to the limit, but I had a harder time with Kip Sabian. He hits mm -hmm. harder than Darby Allen. That's such a, a unique little way to put somebody over. Darby Allen gets the win, but he's, it's such a just, he, it's so clear he's going to be something special there, Warren. Uh, you could argue that he already is 
they're just waiting for the perfect moment to pull the, the absolutely pull the trigger on Mm -hmm. him. You know, um, this, I love this match and you know, it's, it was about, uh, it, it was about Kip Sabian, uh, wrestling a little strong, I thought, you know, like his headlocks were really nice and snug. Uh, and then Darby Allen, you know, they were putting over the fact that Darby Allen is a counter wrestler. He will counter out of moves. Well, what did we see? We saw him do the over the shoulder cutter. We saw him get, do all sorts of moves, you know, uh, roll over Kip Sabian into that magnificent, magnificent shotgun drop kick he does. It, it, it was a it was a great move. And his new finisher... Like that Indian Deathlock pinning bridge Ooh. thing. God, I can't right? remember. I can't remember what Cody called it on commentary. The Last Supper. The that Last Supper. Of, Damn, I love that pin. That's a great name for it. I a, love that pin. pin. After that, we get Jake Hager versus Chico Adams. Uh, Alex, Jake Hager is quietly five and zero, oh, not just in AEW. In the last month in AEW. <laughs> And I mean very quietly because ain't nobody talking about him. <laughs> but, it is it is it is my sincere, long held belief that you if you are wrestling a man named Chico, you mm-hmm. must do a Razor Ramon impression at some point during the match. I don't care how quick the squash is. You must say, "Hey yo, Chico," and throw a, a toothpick at him or something. Wear some big gold chains. Get a little little grease in the hair. Something. I'm I'm sadly disappointed in Jake Hager that he didn't do that. Well, I was not disappointed in the transition into the arm triangle of the Uranagi. I'm arm triangle is my favorite MMA submission. Period. I love that move, and quite frankly, it went from not being used really correctly at all. Like Braun Strowman would do it and hold him over to his side. It didn't look good. But Jake Hager and Edge have both been using it pretty well. None the normal way. I mean, in MMA, if you do it, you're face down, they're face up, the opponent, and you walk your body like a clock opposite of them. That way it applies the pressure. But when you got a guy the size of Jake Hager, Warren, it still looks pretty convincing when you're squeezing the life out of somebody and you sit up so that hard camera can see your face. Yeah, no, it. Uh, uh, thank you for the for the uh, for the schooling there, Sean. It does look good. Uh, I, I can't take anything away from him. I'm kind of glad that he does that more because for a while I was afraid that his finisher was going to be the the knee to the groin, like <laughs> in that he'd, they'd always manage to well have the. Ref it it is an him. MMA. I can confirm it is an MMA. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I am glad he's doing that. He ha- he has to do that. Like clearly they're setting him up for something big, so he has to have a strong looking finisher. Something that does look impressive, and it works because he's a tall guy. He's a big guy, and what what have we been saying about AEW? There's a lot of big guys and a lot of smaller guys. So when he locks it on the likes of uh, 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 Marco Stunt or even or Jungle Boy, it looks twice as uh, devastating as it is. So they're doing something right here. You know what I had noticed while talking to to Jimmy Van today, and it's funny because I was talking with some people from AEW last year when. Kenta left WWE, and they were just like, not interested. I was like, oh, okay. They didn't want a certain profile of WWE guys, but uh, Kenta did ask for his release. But you look up and down the AEW roster, and they have a lot of former WWE guys. How'd Jake Hager leave? He let his contract expire. How'd Cody leave? He let his contract expire. Brody Lee, Matt Hardy. 
let their contract expire. Pack asked out John Moxley, let his contract expire. Brandy Rhodes left the damn company. She was she could have been a lifer if she wanted. Could have been. Uh really the uh, upon my first like viewing of things, even Goldust asked out of his damn deal. Like Arn Anderson might be the closest thing to somebody who got shit canned and Dasha Fuentes who is mm-hmm. doing commentary and all you had to do was see like the Chris Van Vliet interview with her to see like okay, WWE really screwed up not letting her be herself too. AEW's got a whole lot of people that just left of their own volition. And I know that there's a lot of people that are like, oh my gosh, they've got a lot of disgruntled WWE guys. Well, yeah, because WWE disgruntles people. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we're at. And speaking of, John Moxley came to the ring, nailed Hager <laughs> with a paradigm shift, got put in an ankle lock, mm. and uh, sends Hager out of the ring before he gets free. The brawl ends. Matt Moxley is found backstage, and he told Hager to check his blind spot. He says he's been cleared for action and is ready for blood. Moxley says Hager won't be uh, walking away when everything comes to a head because Hager will be carted out on a stretcher. How do you feel about this this little mini feud within the feud, sort of speak? Like, do you think they're really going Moxley Hager next? It's kind of like Nyla Rose, if you ask me. Your your pay per view is going to be maybe. In two months, but let's say the pay per views are are, are are still going to happen. We we talked about this when it was Nyla Rose. Clearly, uh, Sheeta versus Rose is your next big feud for the women's division. What do you give Moxley in the meantime? You still have to give him something. You have to give him a chew toy. Uh, Hager works fine. Hager's a big guy. Uh, they'll be able to work. Uh, they'll be able to work a a very physical style with each other, and I like it as long as. As long as they book it so that Hager doesn't no sell the paradigm shift like he did tonight, right. which I thought was yeah. kind of weird. That was immediate. Because, immediate yeah, he popped up. That was weird. He, yeah, it was weird, and I'm I I hope someone talked to him backstage because the, the paradigm shift is super protected and with reason. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I'm I'm okay with this moving forward because you have to give. Moxley something to do. You're not going to give him his next the next huge contender just yet because clearly you want to build to a super card, a super fight, a pay-per-view down the road. Hager's a good contender if you ask me, and it makes sense in the context of the uh of his feud with the inner circle. Evan Wright sends a super chat and says, Can we put an end to the WB reject complaints? Yeah, people who are doing that just don't know what they're talking about. They just don't watch AEW. Yeah. It's just as simple as that. And they should, because it's very good. Mm-hmm. Brody Lee video package. I have mixed feelings on this. Oh my god, this was like the thing is we talk about the shots at WWE and all that stuff, and like some of them are are entertaining and funny. And this is a different Brody Lee, so maybe that has something to do with it. But he's chewing up a steak while he's talking to uh, to members of the Dark Order. I think Silver and Reynolds. And one of them sneezes and he goes off, and it's a very clear Vince McMahon thing. Alex, I saw you shaking your head. Take first crack at this one. Well, like <laughs> it's it's such an obvious rib at at Vince. I mean, but also it's a total narcissistic, like cult leader thing to do to like be the daddy eats Man. first. Nobody's allowed mm-hmm. to touch their food while I'm eating. When I'm done, then you can eat your cold food. If you sneeze in my presence, you're banished. Like, that's mm-hmm. a cult leader thing to do. 
Also, it's a thing that Vince McMahon does. Yes. I'm not equating those two things. <laughs> Brody Lee might be. Um, but like I, I I do think that there there was an opportunity for Brody Lee to maybe present himself as looking different from Luke Harper. Like the big bushy beard I don't think works for this the guy in the suit. Like if it been maybe like a little bit more trimmed, a little bit like maybe the hair is not like in a weird messy bun, but it's in a different like it would have been it would have behooved him better to not actually have those co- comparisons to the Luke Harper thing because this guy, the exalted one, isn't that character, but yeah. he still looks like that character facially, and that's it might it might help with that transition, I think. Well, Brody Lee then beat QT Marshall uh pretty quick. Hit a boss man slam and a discus lariat for a three count. To me, using the discus lariat right after the boss man slam, it's like, man, you got something much more visually appealing right before that. I mean, he even did like that slingshot swanton. I'm just like, man, mm-hmm. the discus lariat. Come on. You, you've got Hangman Page doing a somersault lariat like, that is super over. Yeah. The, I would the switch. Discus it. La- the, the discus lariat, again, was Luke Harper's finisher. Yeah. You could have the big boss man be Brody Lee's finisher in AEW. Like, he has that as a move. Have that be your finisher now, as opposed to this other thing that you did at another company. What'd you think of the, the Brody Lee stuff tonight, Warren? Um, I thought the, uh, I looked, the, the match the match was fine. That They had to do something like that. It's, it's okay. Not a problem with it. The, um, the vignette I felt was uh, it was a little more mob boss than sinister benevolent master of the dark order that that the dark order has sort of become you know like the you know uh, this um uh, this oddly sympathetic but with a group with very sinister undertones here he was like right out aggressive alpha male I feel there was a lot of there was a lot of ribbing on Vince McMahon here. Pretty sure all the old WWE guys were like, oh, yeah, we see what's going on here. And the WWE guys that were watching at home were like, ooh, okay, this is Vince, basically. I'm sure there was a lot of that, but it felt a little, uh, just a little out of tone with the rest of the uh, Dark Order stuff that he'd been doing. Uh, I got I got a kick out of the sneeze. I, I thought it was, I thought it was perfectly stupid, but I agree this was the more on the nose stuff. We're sort of it felt more like Nacho Man stuff than than a, a little more. It could have been a little more subtle than that. We see Vanguard One providing an update on Nick Jackson. This was a very creative way to do that. It's showing him working out in his garage at home, and I think I saw Warren you tweeting about how Tony Schiavone cracked up at somebody saying he was staying six feet away from Nick he was staying six feet away and then you could commentary just shut down him and <laughs> him and Cody they were clearly corpsing and we know now thanks to Vanguard one that Nick Jackson is at 61 percent I love it health that was fantastic best way best way to check out upon Nick then we got just man it was a super fight for people who have been watching aew since day one. For the AAA Mega Championship, and I like that. I mean, I'm not usually big on outside titles being defended here, but hey, why not here? Kenny Omega defeated Sammy Guevara. Kenny Omega in 2020 has become the Kenny Omega 
that I thought, okay, I'll, I'll put it like this. I do my, my match ratings. I think four or five matches since I've started this a couple of years ago, I've gotten 10 out of 10s. I think three of the four have Omega in it. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that I was missing until this year. And I didn't see him a lot last year. I didn't see that Kenny Omega. Sammy Guevara has been one of the best stories of AEW. In the ring, mm-hmm. out of the ring, him stepping outside the goddamn ring, grabbing a hand or a homemade poster of Brandy Rhodes and making out with it as she looked on in disgust. Her <laughs> facial expressions were so good. This it's- guy rules. And Jim Ross, to his credit, got grief for it. And if you doubted that he got grief for it, he'll tell you every fucking match that Sammy has that he reminds him of Eddie Guerrero and that people crap on him for saying that. But he's right. He's got that in him. He's so good in the ring. He's so good at facial expressions. He's so good at all that stuff. And he's evolved. I don't know if you guys remember the movie Pineapple Express. Sammy was originally that high school jock who was friends with Dale's hot girlfriend, who was like pretending to look out for her, but was really looking out for her. That was Sammy Guevara, and he's evolved beyond that so much. He has been awesome. Kenny Omega has been awesome. It's ruled. Warren, I guess you can talk. This was a fantastic match. This is this is the reason that I edge out AEW over NXT because mm-hmm. I I think both both shows tonight were were solid. Uh, but this match ruled, Sean. It was real, real good. I love the initial exchange between both of them, where uh, Omega just can't seem mm-hmm. to get uh, to to get in control of Guevara, and Guevara is just loving every moment of it. Uh, I liked how Guevara blocked the Snapdragon suplex attempt where he just bent over completely while in the half Nelson and grabbed his own leg. I don't know if you picked that up, but he mm-hmm. grabbed his own leg. So Omega couldn't, couldn't lift him over. It was just like physics were against him at that, at that point, his Fosbury flop Guevara again to the floor was bananas. I liked the fact that he played off of uh, uh, Omega's broken wrist, biting it, then working at it. Um, I, I mean, he had some, the only thing that bugged me about his psychology was that it was a, uh, it was a championship match and I felt he was a little too goofy, but then again, it's in character for him. So, okay. Every, it all worked. It, this match, this match ruled and it's, uh, it's in, uh, it's a bright spot in a, uh, in a, in a month of March where maybe we're not getting all the five-star classics we deserve. I'm not saying this was a five-star classic, but by God, this was a good one. We closed the show with Chris Jericho making his way to the ring. <laughs> he says he's going to give Hardy a chance, Matt Hardy a chance to join the inner circle. But then he tries to recruit Vanguard One. <laughs> and the thing is, Jericho is serious the whole time. Matt Hardy is doing his over-the-top stuff. And at first, it wasn't hitting for me. I was like, eh. But the fact that he was so ridiculous and over the top while Jericho was just like, man, nobody's here to buy your shtick. And Matt Hardy was like, not a shtick, brother. And Martin Luther King's here. And Abraham Lincoln's here. <laughs> it was so odd 
it really was a callback to the the original Broken Matt Hardy of so bad it's good, so ridiculous that it's good type of thing. Uh, Alex, how'd you feel? I it was, it, gosh, it was so interesting because I love that the way that they played on the history, like this. I, I okay, Damascus. Yes, uh, you may be three thousand years old. Uh, you're still the same Matt Hardy I've known for 25 years, and like, and you're the same Scarico I've known for 25 years. I know you have an evil essence that's inside you. And it's yes. like these two guys who like are trying to have a conversation but can't get on the same wavelength. But it's it's so interesting to like have Matt do all like, I am Damascus. I was born 3,000. Okay, that's cool and everything, but could will you join my, my, my <laughs> clique of guys who like to beat up Cody Rhodes? And it's just weird that they have these guys interacting this way. Um, I, I I really enjoyed it. Like, it, uh, A, um, Matt Hardy, obviously, through, through camera tricks, teleporting down to the ring all over the arena. Only fun. benefit of Why the taping. Not? Why not? Matt Hardy is officially the only wrestler in the history of wrestling who can teleport without the arena lights blacking out. That's true. And that's that's the one thing I'm loving about the taped methods. And here's yeah. the thing, guys. They've been taping shows for decades in wrestling, and yeah. only the last two weeks with The Undertaker and Matt Hardy have they gotten so creative <laughs> that to do immediate teleportation. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Um I I here's the thing. This is the interaction here works real well because Jericho was like, okay, this is wrestling. People are insane. Dustin Rhodes used to think he was some androgynous weirdo. So you're here in front of me being a weirdo. I I just want you to join my – like he's nonplussed by the 3,000-year yes. talk, by the teleportation. He's like, okay, this is wrestling, man. I know it's wrestling. Just do you want to be in my gang? Uh, clearly it doesn't happen. But – I love this, and I love how you know. Finally, when when they do trade strikes and Matt Hardy uh, puts Jericho down, Jericho goes, "You really are a wizard. You put Le Champion down with only one punch." <laughs> that was fantastic. It's good. It was good stuff, and it's so nice to see, like complete broken Matt Hardy. We got the delete chant. We got the obsolete song. We got it all. We're hey. we're full force broken Matt. I love it. And he told me last summer, remember, that as of then, as of months ago, he had two gimmicks in the can. <laughs> oh, man. We have a couple super chats. Uh, actually, it ended with uh, Matt Hardy shooting flames throughout the stage <laughs> after the brawl. <laughs> a, a great episode of AEW as well. And I thought an outstanding episode of NXT. Yes. Someone says, any of you excited for Resident Evil 3? I haven't played Resident Evil since 1. How about you, Warren? Uh, there, this is a complete remake, by the way. And oh, I wow. Resident Resident Evil 3 was, uh, until Resident Evil 4 was my favorite, I still have nightmares about Nemesis running after me. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Resident Evil 3, the remake. SJG922 says, who do you think will be the biggest star in five years between Sammy and... MJF, Darby, and Jungle Boy. That is an outstanding question because wow. you got you got four guys in their early to mid-20s. And if I had wow. to rank them, I would probably say 
MJF slightly, Darby Allen and mm-hmm. Sammy right there around each other, and then Jungle Boy because I I don't know if Jungle Boy has the promo chops that it, and all that, but whew, how do you think Warren? No, I agree. I, I that's a hard question because it's you could the things that differentiate that would differentiate yeah. them as you put them are, are they're slivers. It's not even like gaps. There's like it's such thin margins between all four of those guys. Uh, but I'd probably go the same way. MJF, Darby, uh, Sammy, and Jungle Boy. You Alex, could, you could convince me that any of the three, Darby, uh, MJF, or, or Sammy, could be the number one star in wrestling in, like, mm-hmm. five to eight years. I, I, like, honestly, because Darby just has something that could, that gimmick could transcend all other aspects of wrestling. The best wrestler, the best talker. He's just this thing, like, that people might be drawn to in a way that they might have been to, like, Sting in the old days, where it wasn't necessarily his ring work or his or his talking, like, but just the aura of him. And Sammy, I think, has a lot, it has, is really great in the ring and has a long way to go. And I love his personality, but MJF, man, just the way he can captivate a crowd with his talking. And I also think Jungle Boy is great. Yeah. And, and has all kinds of ways to go. Like, can you imagine this company building around those guys for the next 10 years if they can secure them to contracts? That's just amazing. Well, MJF has, I think, four more years on his deal. There you go. <sighs> guys, to get the plugs out of the way, Joe Holbert has a lot of great features coming up, WrestleMania-themed features. Uh, he and Jeremy Lambert interviewed Ricky Starks on Tuesday. They talk about The Undertaker, uh, about him helping them, helping The Undertaker get ready for his WrestleMania match with John Cena a few years ago. And The Undertaker, like, hanging out on the couch, reviewing Ricky Stark's match with him. Wow. Uh, check that out. They're doing a lot of podcasts on our off days. Uh, so lots of great stuff there. Jeremy Lambert does AEW Power Rankings every week. But since uh, we got lots of great Super Chats tonight, Sunday afternoon, or maybe Sunday morning, I will drop me and Mr. Warren Hayes our retro review. Uh, it will be up early for select members. But this Sunday on Fightful.com, I will drop the Shawn Michaels Triple H Retro Review. For those of you who don't know our new format, I pick an anchor point, a specific match that I don't think has been talked about enough. Uh, And for Shawn Michaels and Triple H, it was the last Raw of 2003 that launched their 2004 feud. And it was a World Heavyweight title match, a damn good one. Then we go back to the formation of the click, Triple H coming into the company, DX, the return of Shawn Michaels, their feud, the reformation of DX. Warren, I, I think this new format is by far better than, than anything we've done. I, I dig it a lot because we really do get to to uh, go through history, which is really, really one of the best reasons to go uh, to, to do retro reviews and sort of reimmerse yourself in the context and how do we get there because – when we do the the large pay per views or the just the we'd always focus on a couple of wrestlers and then we'd start talking about oh what got them here and so on and so forth. So now we really get to die to 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 deep dive on it. We did it with Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero Holy on shit, on our first installment and that and it was really fun. We we did we did two others on top of that, Sean, which were really fun too. So we I hope you guys enjoyed because even for us it's fun to do. So we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, if you guys want to know what to look forward to. 
Fightful Select April Retro Review is going to be Hogan and Warrior. We focus on the Halloween Havoc 98 match. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, there's, there's plenty to talk about there. Yeah, but people talk about WrestleMania 6 more. And we wanted to talk Halloween Havoc 98. Then in May, we're doing ECW Month on Fightful. Uh, we have lots of ECW-themed interviews. Uh, Just Incredible, uh, Tracy Smothers, Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, gosh, there's a couple more as well. Uh, Johnny Swinger, I think. And we end that with a Rob Van Dam making a finisher. He tells us about how he came up and started the Van Terminator. And not only that... I spoke to Scotty Anton, who was the first person to take it on TV, the former Scotty Riggs. But for that month on Fightful Select, me and Warren Hayes are taking a look at Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn and their Hardcore Heaven 99 match, how they met a crossroads and how they kind of followed up in WWF and TNA. This is a very good time. Make sure you guys check it out. But make sure you all follow Alex and check him out. Sour Graps twice a week. Hot dog. Until next time, guys, we're out.